Hi, it's Nahani Rouse, here with another episode of Can We Talk? First, a word from our sponsor, the University of San Francisco's SWIG program in Jewish Studies and Social Justice. JSSJ is excited to announce the first ever graduate-level certificate in JEDI, Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. This program will give you the tools to boost your classroom techniques, bring JEDI skills to your organization, and expand your personal knowledge. Fall classes begin August 27th. Learn more and apply at usfca.edu jedi. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive, where gender, history, and Jewish culture meet. In this episode, we're bringing back Can We Talk's Word of the Week. These are episodes where we dig into one word and explore how it relates to Jewish women. This time, a word that on its surface appears not to be about Jewish women. Shiksa. Shiksa, to me, is the ultimate not Jewish. Someone who is so ethnically white. There's something about that term being used to imply a lesser status. I always felt like shiksa was really such a dangerous thing because even though it seems like it's an insult to that blonde white lady, I think what it's really doing is affirming that that's really the top of the pile of how you're attractive in this country. It makes me think of my mother because she used it a lot. Oh, she's a shiksa. You know, it's like you can have one word that is an entire paragraph, and that's one of the words. I certainly would never use that word, nor encourage anyone else to use that word towards a non-Jewish woman ever. It is very demeaning, and if somebody's proudly reclaiming that term for their own use, mazel tov, but the rest of us should not use that. That was Miriam Anzavin, Judy Gold, and Lizzie Skernick weighing in on the word shiksa. Some non-Jewish women have tried to reclaim the word. There are shiksa-themed products, t-shirts that say 100% shiksa, cell phone cases with the phrase, I'm the token shiksa. And here's actress Drew Barrymore on The View in 2013. Do, like I do the seders and we do Passover and you convert it? we got you know I haven't converted yet olive will be raised traditionally terms like shiksa goddess and shiksa peel have been popularized by Jewish writers male Jewish writers and comedians like Philip Roth and Jerry Seinfeld in this episode we'll hear three perspectives on the word shiksa and how its meaning has changed over time shiksa just means a Gentile woman or girl, a non-Jewish woman or girl. That's Gitel Schechter Vishwanat. She grew up in a Yiddish-speaking home in the 1960s. She's editor-in-chief of the Comprehensive Yiddish-English Dictionary. Depending on the context, Shiksa can take on a lot of uh, negative or pejorative um, t- uh, connotations, from slut to forbidden fruit The pejorative terms are mostly with a sexual connotation or implication, Um, especially in the 20th century. It didn't start out that way. So shiksa derived from the Yiddish word shagetz, 
Shagitz means a Gentile male. Shagitz has its own connotations. Shagitz just meant, you know, a, a boy who was misbehaving um, or, or who was a smart ass. Uh, who had chutzpah, if a Jewish boy threw a ball through somebody's window, uh, you know, his mother would call him a shegetz. The word shegetz, originally, it's thought to come from the word shegetz, uh, which is found in um, Sefer Vayikra, it's the book of Leviticus, um, and it essentially means um, uh, disgusting, non-kosher bugs. And then the, the word came up in the Talmud, in Psachim, and the implication was abomination. There was a quote there about not letting your daughter marry an unlearned or a non-observant man um, because they are a Shekets. So then, you know, centuries later, people were speaking Yiddish uh, in Eastern Europe, and Shiksa meant a Gentile woman. So, uh, you know, the, maybe there were women in the market who were selling their goods. And then towards the end of the 19th century, um, when secular Yiddish literature became much more popular and a lot of Jews were moving away from tradition, they were immigrating, um, it became a lot more popular. I don't actually remember hearing the word shiksa in our home. I heard it on the street, among friends, in summer camp. Um, and generally, it was not positive. It was seen as like a lower class woman, you know, not an intelligent or intellectual being. I think it was with the 20th century, uh, you know, maybe the sexual revolution, Woody Allen, Philip Roth, we started seeing literature where uh, the word shiksa was thrown about. Philip Roth published Portnoy's Complaint in 1969. Here's an excerpt where he talks about his obsession with non-Jewish women. But the shiksas, ah, the shiksas are something else again. How do they get so gorgeous, so healthy, so blonde? My contempt for what they believe in is more than neutralized by my adoration of the way they look, the way they move and laugh and speak. Today, I think it still has that, you know, shiksa appeal is, is, is mostly sexual. Um... Women are not set in a good light uh, when opposed to the shiksa. They are the woman that the Jewish man is trying to leave behind. It's not a good thing for Jewish women. What comes to mind when I hear the word shiksa is myth-making and uh, a Jewish communal preoccupation with this idea that golden-haired women lured Jewish men away from their families and religion and community. Karen McGinnity teaches American studies at Brandeis University. She's also the interfaith specialist at the United Synagogue of Conservative Judaism. The first time that I heard Schick's appeal was while watching an episode of Seinfeld. Uh, it was used in a conversation between uh, George and Elaine, uh, and she was sharing with him that Jewish men were pursuing her. So now the other Lippman kissed me. Oh, sure, they're Jewish and you're a shiksa. What does being a shiksa have to do with it? You've got shiksa appeal. Jewish men love the idea of meeting a woman that's not like their mother. Oh, that's insane. So when George says that, 
to her. It's a, a way of um, glamorizing the Gentile woman while at the same time disparaging the Jewish mother. Later in the episode, Elaine consults a rabbi. Rabbi, is there anything I can do to combat this shik's appeal? <laughs> Elaine, the shik's appeal is a myth like the Yeti or his North American cousin, the Sasquatch. Well, something's going on here because every able-bodied Israelite in the county is driving pretty strong to the hoop. Elaine, there's much you don't understand about the Jewish religion. For example, did you know that rabbis are allowed to date? What does that have to do? You know, a member of my congregation has a timeshare in Myrtle Beach. Perhaps if you're not too busy, we could wing on down after the high holidays. The rabbi is now hitting on the so-called shiksa. So Seinfeld, like, took it all the way, in other words. And, you know, the only saving grace uh, from my perspective is that when the rabbi looks up from his Rolodex, uh, the chair that Elaine was sitting in is now empty. Elaine? <laughs> Laney? She apparently had bolted, <laughs> uh, which is um, a good thing. Going back to what you said about the, um, like, denigrating the mother, so it sounds like in one word is contained, like, a lot of misogyny from different directions. Absolutely, yeah. Misogyny with a capital M. It's used to keep women in their place. Uh, it's also, I think, one that the Jewish community has perpetuated um, to reinforce the us-them binary. And I think it's very telling that the male uh, equivalent, Shagetz, uh, is like not used at all. Um, Many people don't even know that word, you know, whereas shiksa is fairly well known. And the reason that it's used as a weapon against women of other faith backgrounds is um, tied into the continuity crisis narrative around Jewish perpetuation or who uh, is reproducing and whether those children would be um, halachically, according to Jewish law, uh, Jews. Right. So it's a matrilineal descent issue where all of the pressure is on the identity of the woman. But is there also something sexual about it? Oh, for sure. It's woven throughout that they are sexual beings or that, uh, as, as one mother of a man I interviewed told him, and she thought it would, I don't know why she thought it would turn him off from pursuing Gentile women, but she told him that, quote, Schick says didn't wear underwear. <laughs> if anything, that just um, interested him more. This Schicksa thing is totally out of control. What is with you people? <laughs> Lucas said to me once, my sister said that Schick says are just for practice. And when I heard that, um, you know, my chest went cold. I just felt like, you know, I was in love with this guy and that just took me down like 10 levels. In that moment, I just felt like, okay, this guy is just, you know, just wants to be with me because he, I don't know what. It, it just demeaned me as a non-Jewish person, as a woman. 
Kylie Ora Lobel is now a Jew by choice, married to a Jewish man, not Lucas. She dated Lucas in college, and this encounter with the word shiksa changed the way she thought about the term. Up until then, I thought, uh, you know, it's kind of a playful term. You know, I'd seen other people use it. I'd seen mugs that said shiksa magnet. I didn't think it was bad, but once it was used that way towards me, and like, oh, this is just some girl he's biding his time with until he eventually marries a Jewish girl and gets serious, and you're just something fun to play with. And I'm blonde, like stereotypical blonde hair, blue eyes, you know. Um, so that's when I really changed my attitude on it. Um, and that, that really just struck me as being offensive and mean. I guess the stereotype is that Jewish women are more demanding or like they're all up in your business or, you know, they're just overbearing. That's like the stereotypical um, you know, portrait of a Jewish woman when, when you, and also there's the history of, of being a Jew and there's a lot of trauma in our past, you know, and then when guys get away from that and they go for quote unquote shiksa, it's easy breezy, you know, this girl doesn't, she's bubbly, she's a little bit dumb, <laughs> she's not going to be overbearing, she's just going to let you be yourself and she may even be subservient. Um, and also, you know, you can just do Christmas dinner and everything will be okay and there's no drama. And that's totally not true. I mean, every person has drama. <laughs> um, yeah, and now as a Jewish woman, it, it is also offensive to me and it's offensive to all women. It's not in keeping with Jewish values, put it that way. If there's a word to be reclaimed, I believe it's Gentile in a purely ne- neutral way and in a gender neutral way as well, you know if folks could wrap their brains around um, using the word Gentile to refer to beloveds of other faith backgrounds, then we can eliminate goy and shiksa and shagets. And that's our word of the week. Thank you for listening to Can We Talk, the podcast of the Jewish Women's Archive. Our team includes Jen Richler and Judith Rosenbaum. Our theme music is by Girls in Trouble. Thanks to Alicia Joe Rabins for letting us use her tunes for our Word of the Week jingle. You also heard Ned Lazarus reading an excerpt from Portnoy's Complaint. You can find Can We Talk online at jwa.org slash canwetalk or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Nahani Rouse.